Well, here's the thing. The original Michelin guide, when you were buying the tires in the early 1900s, they would be like, here's a book of places to go to. And based on that, it would en- it would entice you to drive your car more, wear out your tires, get new tires. Right, right. So they would give you a book that would say, so the star rating was one star was worth a stop. So if you're driving through the town, stop here. Two stars is worth a detour. If you're driving through the town, go one town over. Three stars is worth a journey. Leave your home to go to this place. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now... And it was all just as a ruse to get you to, to, to drive to more. Out tired. Yeah. Everything, everything starts out with bullshit. Man. Welcome back to BS with Brian Simpson, episode 64. Don't forget if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want advice from the advice champ, email us at BS with Brian Simpson at gmail.com. I'm on tour. I'm coming to uh I'm coming to Davenport. Uh, Davenport, Iowa? Davenport, Iowa. <laughs> the people of Davenport, I had to cancel a show on y'all last year, remember, because it snowed and your airport sucks. And I promised I would come back. Well, I'm coming <laughs> back. The show's almost sold out already. I think there's like 20 tickets left or something. But that's still tickets. So go to BrianSimpsonComedy.com or go to one of my social medias and click on the link in my bio link tree slash BS Comedian. Don't forget to also host Bottom of the Barrel tonight and every Tuesday night at the Comedy Mothership. Um, uh, don't forget to check out uh, Apocalypse Soon with Eddie Pepitone and Kevin Tinkin. Don't forget to check out the Josh Potter Show. Don't forget to check out ComedyFrequency.com. And now that the show is all out of the way, and if, listen, if you want to support the podcast, hey, just you know, share it, like, comment, subscribe, buy something from one of the sponsors. You can support in any of those ways or none of them. You know, I mean, I feel the same way about you. Um, and now I'm going to introduce, I have a very special guest, uh, sh- uh, Chef Philip Franklin Lee. Is that correct? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Chef Philip Franklin Lee. We just call him Chef Phil. Um, he has an extraordinary story. Um, he is the owner and CEO of uh, of Shushi by Scratch. I mean, you have a whole bunch of restaurants. Yeah, I think we're like 12 now. Yeah, um, and I always tell everyone your story. I hope you don't mind. Um, <laughs> sure. Well, your story from where I know it, because you have a, a phenomenal story before I met you, right? Um, but Chef Phil opened up a a pop up sushi restaurant in Austin, Texas, right? Yeah, yeah. We came here out back in uh, December of 2020 when California said no more outdoor dining. Okay, right, and and. Um, even though they did let some people get away with it, which is kind of weird. But uh, <clears throat> but then it just so happened Joe Rogan stumbles into the place. He thinks he says it's the best sushi he ever had. He asked you to stay. You said no. <laughs> yeah. Um, we only plan on being here for six weeks. And he said, hey, if you stay, I'll tweet about it. Yeah, he basically said um, – he basically he, – about three-quarters of the way through dinner, starts to open up. I never met him before. And he starts, you know, going like, hey, how do I eat this again? And I was like, you have to come back. You have to come to L.A. He's, and immediately, you know what he says. He goes, well, why don't you just move to Austin? <laughs> and I was like, I can't move to Austin. I have, I'm here for five weeks. I got to go back to, to L.A. I have restaurants there. I have, you know, that's, my, that's where I live. And he's like, well, you should, you should move here. I said, no. He said, well, at least stay for one more month. And I think he could see that I was starting to, like, consider it a little bit. So he, like, pushes it even harder. And he goes, what if I can guarantee you'll be sold out? And I went, okay, well, now we can have a conversation. And he's like, well, uh, he's like, if you d- agree to do it, I'll post about it. And I was like, 
fuck it, let's do it. So he's like, uh, he goes, go ahead and open up. He's like, pull your phone out, open up the reservation. I was like, dude, I got gloves on. I'm working. I was like, after service. So I, I told him at midnight, I'll open up uh, for next month. At midnight, he goes on, makes himself three reservations for the month of February. And then he posts about it on uh, Instagram and Twitter and everything. Within four minutes of his post, February sold out. And by the time we wake up the next morning, there's 25,000 people on the wait list. And yeah. uh, that's life changing. Yeah. Now I live in Austin. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that kind of power changing, changing your life with a tweet. And now you live in Austin. And now, and since then, you've opened up 15 more restaurants? Since then, fuck, I've opened, um, well, when we made it, we made, we made that location permanent. So if you include that, let's see, it's that. Sushi by Scratch, Restaurants Austin, Pasta Bar Austin, NADC Austin, NADC Houston, Sushi by Scratch in uh, Seattle, Miami, Chicago, uh, Chicago NADC, and we just opened Montreal. So we got Sushi by Scratch restaurants in Montreal as well. So 10 restaurants since then. Wow. Wow. Well, I got to go to Sushi by Scratch. I've been to like half of them. (laughs) (laughs) I got to go to the Chicago one. Okay. Um... So, so what, what was your, you had a kind of an extraordinary story before that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I started, so I decided when I was 13 years old that I want to be a sushi chef when I grow up and, um, that didn't happen for a long time. But when I was 18, I started, I got a job as a dishwasher and, uh, just slowly worked my way up. I was 25 when Margaret and I opened our first restaurant together. It wasn't sushi. No, I see. I imagine. See, sushi is one of those. Sushi is one of the the places where it where white dudes uh, definitely had face like discrimination, uh, especially women too, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. It, so it, it is funny that of all the like, there aren't a lot of places where white dudes do run into discrimination. But su- the sushi world, yeah. they don't they don't fuck around. So that's the reason my first restaurant wasn't a sushi restaurant. It legitimately was designed after a sushi bar. It was just a counter. There was no menu. The chefs work on the other side of the counter. They would make the food and pass it. It was like eating at a sushi restaurant. We just weren't serving sushi. And it's mainly because I was just too scared to do it. And so it took me a couple of years of, you know, running a restaurant. And I had, this was, I guess sushi was my fourth I think my fourth restaurant I opened. I had a little bit of name for myself. I had already won some awards, and then I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna finally do it." So, so, so tell me the difference because when, <clears throat> because when I first met you, Sushi by Scratch was booming, but you weren't a you weren't a very wealthy per- like the the restaurant business isn't like you don't just get rich quick. No, I mean I I mean I don't I don't think I'm rich right now. I'm definitely better off than I was. I mean, you got an assistant now. Last time I saw you, you didn't have an assistant. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And, and and guys, the food is the food is phenomenal. I I want to say uh, Chef Phil is, are you now the most Michelin starred chef under 40? I don't know. Um, my goal with with is to become the most Michelin starred chef of all time. Right now, I could definitely say I'm the most Michelin-starred chef with the most restaurants. I mean, right now, I, meaning like, so Margie and I have these restaurants. We got no partners, no investors. We, we run from Seattle to Miami up to Montreal, and we hold Michelin stars at multiple locations over multiple concepts. So I don't think, 
I think that is unique. And you guys, keep in mind the the Michelin people don't go to every city, so they so they don't the Austin restaurants don't even count because they don't come here. Yeah, we don't qualify as of today. We have not qualified in any of our like Chicago has the Michelin guy, but we're too new, so we we haven't qualified yet. How long you got to be there? Well, there hasn't even been a. Uh, they only release once a year, and okay. so we've only been open for three. We opened in March. So we've only been open for a couple of months. So maybe we'll qualify for this year, depending on when it comes out. But we'll definitely qualify for next year. Right. Florida, we didn't qualify for. There isn't one in Seattle. Uh, there isn't one in Texas. There isn't one in Montreal. And and also Margarita. So Margarita is his wife, who is also like one of the most phenomenal pastry chefs. Yeah. Uh, they like the Jay Z and Beyonce of <laughs> cooking. Um, and she's about to open a bakery here in Austin. What's the, what's the name of it? Yeah, Wolf and Wheat. Wolf and Wheat. So right next door to Pasta Bar. Um, so everybody loves, you know those little desserts you get at the end of sushi? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you'll be able to walk in and like retail, like pick up like a six-pack of oh, those. Oh, my God. See, guys, I can tell you now, because I've, I've actually eaten, I've, I've gone to Thanksgiving at, at their home. Um, um, and I can go, I can tell you without even going in. I haven't, I, it's not open yet. I haven't been in there yet. Haven't sampled anything. I guarantee you, it's phenomenal. Because because she makes the she makes the desserts that you get at the end of the sushi uh, courses at the sushi by scratch restaurants. And they're and they're you know it's like next level. Like you know sometimes I watch um, one of my favorite things to do is watch people cook on YouTube or, or TikTok or whatever. And um and there's there's this guy that does he does desserts and it's all it's always the same. The first like three or four steps, I'm like, oh, I could do that, and then he does some crazy shit that you know that that makes it so it's like no, no, like I would have to remodel my kitchen and purchase like, you know what I mean? Like he does something that like I just just takes it to the be way beyond amateur cooks, like and that's that's how Margarita does, like because she she puts up cooking videos sometimes too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she puts up some cooking videos. I mean, that's not really her thing. She started to do it a little bit, but I mean, I mean, I mean, she's a multiple. Michelin starred pastry chef. Yeah, it's 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 phenomenal to be able to walk in off the street and get some of that. Get some of that. But that I mean, it's gonna be a bakery too. So like her sourdough, which is you had her sourdough, right? I think we had it at Thanksgiving. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I mean, it's best sourdough anyone's ever had. You can walk in there, get sourdough. You'll be able to get. You know, she's doing ice cream. She's I mean, doing yo, her cornbread. Listen. Oh yeah. Oh hey, yeah. Listen, I'm, hey, listen. I'm sorry, Granny. Rest in peace. <laughs> but her cornbread was the best cornbread I've ever had. Actually, everything we had at Thanksgiving was the best version of that thing I'd ever had. The mac and cheese, the turkey, the the stuffing. It was just it was just next level. Yeah, and if you ever want to figure like figure or uh, or learn that recipe for mac and cheese, I did that on uh, William Montgomery's podcast, taught him how to make that mac and cheese. Oh yeah. I'm well I'm lactose, but I'm <laughs> I might make it for somebody else. Or stock up on the lactate pills. All right, Rob, let's get to these Let's get to these emails. We're gonna get Chef Phil's perspective. Or I'm I'm curious. Or these voicemails. I'm curious as to because uh, somehow we 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 missed them or they got put somewhere else. Um, so some of these might be old, right? Yeah, but they're not. Um, they're it's not. mostly just people like being cool bros and saying that they love the podcast. Okay. So. Hey Brian, this is the Gunny. Look, man, you're doing your history. Uh, podcast and you started off back just Marcellus Clay the dueling fucking senator look man you gotta do you gotta do an episode on this motherfucker he was an abolitionist and he put work in on these slaves on these slave owners I'm sorry 
and uh, he's a bad motherfucker. You should you should do a, a a podcast on this motherfucker. What's I love it? what you guys do, Rob. You're a great addition. You guys have a great great podcast, man. Continue the great work. I think you said peace at the end there, but it uh, cut off. Appreciate you, Gunny. Um, <clears throat> so what was the name of the person you hit? Something Clay? The Dueling Senator. The Dueling Senator. Okay. All right. Can we can we put a pin in that? Pull so him can... up. Yeah, yeah, Clay. Um, so he used to uh, duel, <laughs> challenge people to duels over, uh, over slavery. Oh, uh, he was an abolitionist. Shit. Hey, you talking about putting your money where your mouth is? Because politicians now just be talking. Like, I wish we brought that back. Because we have talked about bringing back duels, haven't we? I, oh, yeah. Because that lets you know somebody's really serious. It's not just, they, you know, they didn't, they didn't take out a poll and see what the best thing to say was. Like, they really, really mean it, you know? Uh, like, you, oh, you really care about civil rights? Then, then duel me then. Uh, there were some bad motherfuckers back then. That's hardcore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they had one shot pistols. I mean, nowadays, you know. Still though, could you imagine? I mean, I get, I totally get and respect why you would like what what it's worth. But like, could you just imagine being like, hey, I mean, you went to fucking, you were in the army though. Marines. So I mean, marine. So I mean, I guess you could could imagine, but fuck. Um. Yeah, but nobody ever shot at me. And especially to agree to just be like, hey, let's just take let's a shot. Let's take 20 paces. <laughs> I mean, from 20 paces away, I'm going to hit you, you know. They made people different back then. Yeah, yeah. But back then, the, also back then, the pistols weren't very accurate. You know, the, none of the guns were very Which accurate. Which means the dude doesn't have to be good at shooting. He doesn't have to be good at shooting. Or he could be great at shooting, and that won't matter either. Because um, they were shooting balls. Yeah. Which, you know, now we know about aerodynamics, et cetera. But, yeah, still, even taking the risk is kind of fucking crazy. And then, like, okay, neither of us died. One more. Right, right, <laughs> right. You think you'd agree on the draw after the first one. But you got to protect your honor. See, back then, honor, yeah. meant, honor meant more. 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I like this. I put him, um, he's still, if we're talking about uh, white dudes that really went to bat to end slavery, I still put Jonathan Brown above this guy, but he's in my top five. He was born to... Um, wealthy planters so slave owners in kentucky and um he ended up hearing a a speech by uh who was it i'm looking it up right now william lord Gar william lloyd garrison uh and it inspired uh cassius clay to join the anti-slavery movement so there's a it, this is the thing that you've brought up before brian that there are plenty of white people throughout history who have been abolitionists and so people are telling on themselves when they say like oh when you erase like the the rebels or whatever from history books you're erasing history like it's and you're making me feel bad about being white and it's like no you don't have to feel bad because you can you can associate yourself with the people who are actually abolitionists they existed mm, good point i think I, well i'd be saying shit that i don't remember saying <laughs> you know what i'm saying i just be make, keeping the analogies in my head all right we got one more one more recording yeah, we'll do one more. Yo, what's up, Brian and Rob? I just wanted to say, even though I don't agree with any of you motherfuckers' political leanings and none of that shit, you lefty motherfuckers, I do fuck with you and Rob. <laughs> I love that nigga Rob, and I feel like Rob, me and him, would really kick it, smoke a blunt, smoke a blunt or some shit, play some Mario Kart, 
But, I mean, as soon as we started talking about politics, we would get angry. And those are the type of friends I fuck with. Um, that's just what I really wanted to say. Um, yeah, I fuck with y'all. Well, we fuss with you, man. I mean, that's uh, (laughs) that's what all that's my relationship with all of my veteran friends. Almost, we don't agree on any politics, mostly. But you know, that's not what friendships about. Um. Okay, so Sheffield, what we normally do here is uh, we also wait, Brian. I got I got one more. I got one more uh voicemail for you. This is a question about cloud wrappers. Cloud. Which you're gonna have to take this one because I don't really know anything about okay. SoundCloud see. rap. Let's see what that is. Okay. Uh, hi, uh, Brian Simpson. I'm Brian Simpson's uh, editor. Hello. Um, I, I I was wondering what Brian's um, thoughts were on um, what they call the, the cloud rap scene. Obviously, they speak about a. Uh, uh, the black community on Brian Simpson's podcast a lot. And um, I, I just wanted to know uh, Brian Simpson's overall thoughts on the SoundCloud rap scene or just cloud rappers or any of the culture surrounding it, specifically uh, what the thoughts are on some of the rappers that have things like face tattoos, but yet don't don't have the, I guess you could say the traditional, uh, the traditional reasoning for having face tattoos and other aspects of the SoundCloud rap culture. Anyways, love the show. Found you guys on Rogan. Ended up watching almost every, listening to every, almost every episode on Spotify. Thanks, guys. Uh, Oren from Illinois. Oh, well, we, well, we we appreciate that, Oren. Um, okay, so to tackle your your question here, uh, the, I want to make a distinction between SoundCloud rappers and rap and musicians that are on SoundCloud because the vast majority of the music on SoundCloud is not, you know, SoundCloud rapper is an aesthetic now, I, I, and I think it it came, it was born out of the. So you know what SoundCloud is? Yeah, I mean. It's this. It's like a website where people without a deal can just kind of like upload music. Like when you would make something on GarageBand, you'd put it on SoundCloud. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And but what happens is, I think at some point, it you became know, legit. Well, no, but people had to do things to draw attention to their music, and you know, I don't know, I don't remember which person was the first person that it that it worked for. Chance the Rapper. Was it? Chance the Rapper got big on SoundCloud, and then Russ. Yeah, but but the, but I don't think Chance the Rapper is a sound like in this context because I think they're talking about like you know the little pumps and the little peeps and the you know the you know there's a there's an aesthetic right and uh, and I think kids just had to do it to stand out to make up for a perceived lack of talent you know because Chance the Rapper. Would I think he would have made it regard? You know, he was especially so acid rap. May it may have been the best album that year that it came out. You know, it was that good. So you know, anyway. Um, <clears throat> but I think sound. I think the SoundCloud rapper era it represents um, the the gift and the curse of 
for art in this era, in the sense that, because the same thing is kind of happening to comedy, um, in the sense that the barrier to entry is zero. You know, and mm-hmm. and that means <clears throat> the barrier to entry is zero, and, and it's it's the antithesis of how how so so like it's like the way the way Hollywood works is you can kind of be priced out. In in other words, you know, if you if you come from a little bit of money and your parents can pay your rent and get and pay your car note and pay your cell phone bill, and you move to L.A., you have access. You know, because you're not trying to survive, you can go to every audition. You can go to every, take every little course and acting class and all of the networking opportunities. You can afford to just do everything and get more exposure. Whereas I think if you, if you're, if you're working class, you know, you have to miss out on like three quarters of that because you have to work. And, and now we live. And you in have the, to work for money. If you, I mean, if you come from money, you can take the unpaid internship, or you well, can exactly. take the tipped wage, all, or all those things. It is. And and now it's like this. It's this new era where, I mean, it's still kind of like that if you're trying to go the Hollywood route. But I. Just, but what I'm saying is, um, the, it's not as exclusive, you know. Because when I when I started comedy, it was like, how the fuck do you do comedy? You know, and you had the like meet a guy that knew a guy that was like oh the open mics are over here and it's over there, right and once you got in the world you got in the world whatever and it was still easier than it was before but but now the new comics are, aren't asking that question you, because you know the internet is full of videos telling you just go to just do this just do that just do that anyway so my, my point is anyone can just start making music anyone can just start doing comedy and that and that is a good thing and a bad thing because because now the field is saturated, you know, and so and most of it's shit. Um, and and that's the you know that's the whole that's the downside to it, you know, is that I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that anyone can make music and share it with the world, um, but we have to take the good with the bad. And so the the you know the downside to that is you know a lot of it's bullshit music and 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 the, but the big difference is that. You know, music doesn't have to be objectively good to become popular. You know, because there's not a measurement. Like, if you tell a joke, you have to get laughs. That is the measurement. Um, There is no specific response that music has to give you for it to be good or bad. So it's like shit music can become the top selling thing. You know, so... Yeah, I guess that's a negative to it as well. How does it compare to like the restaurant industry or the food industry, Chef Phil? Yeah, I mean, Marguerite and I opened our first restaurant in our apartment 10 years ago. So, you know, I feel like that was the SoundCloud of restaurants. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I think that, you know, but other people did too. A lot of people, there, there, was, there was a lot of people who did pop-ups, you know, did something in their apartment not a lot of them a decade later have 12 restaurants in two countries. So I think that just like you, go, you, you brought up, you know, Chance the Rapper, I'm not super into rap. I don't really know all the names. I do know that name. And if he started there, you know, that's, that's sort of the equivalent of like, I think that the, the, the I don't want to just say talent because I think talent exists, but I think that there's something about discipline and hours logged 
that's going to take you somewhere. And it's really yeah. easy because the barrier for entry is zero. To, to, to invite people to your house and cook dinner, the barrier for entry is zero, right? Yeah, but so, you have to be able to cook. You don't have to be able to cook. You have to be able to cook if you want them to come back and tell their friends. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, right. Same thing with putting <laughs> shit on, on, on SoundCloud. It doesn't have to be good to get people to click on it. It has to be good to get people to click on it a second time and to tell their friends to click on it. Right. So if you've got someone who's good enough to be on a label or good enough to be at a restaurant who starts at you know grassroots and at the bottom, they're going to get out of the basement. Well... Theoretically, because because the mu- the music industry is a whole other monkey. Because now what they what they'll um, there's a such thing as an industry plant. Have you heard of this? I, I haven't. Mm-hmm. You know, this was my first career. I dropped out of school when I was 15 to live on the road. I played in bands and had label deals and music videos and all sorts of shit. Oh uh, yeah, well you yeah you touch you touch the darkness. <laughs> The, these so what they'll do is they'll take like say like a little like you know like a little pump or a little peep or you know the, the you know the, the tatted face the colorful yeah. hair and what they'll do is they'll sign someone and then change them to look like that and puts put music on SoundCloud and then and then all of a sudden they got a music video featuring Snoop Dogg or something like that right where it's like so they create the false came from nothing narrative. They've been doing that with food forever. I mean, I've got friends who ghostwrite, you know, cookbooks for celebrity chefs or go on, you know, are behind the scenes during the cooking show actually making the food. Uh, I mean, they do that. I mean, they do that in every industry. They they create a figurehead. You know, they do that for businesses, they do that for music, they do that for they've been doing that forever. Dude, I want to do that. <laughs> I want to be a fake celebrity chef. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll cook everything in the back. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, man. I just go straight up Gordon Ramsay style on it. What the fuck is this? I haven't met him, but he's supposed to be a super super nice guy. Uh, yeah, apparently he is. Well, see, what I like about Gordon Ramsay is because this is also, you know, watching Gordon Ramsay shows is one of the, my pastimes. But uh, is that when he steps into another chef's kitchen, he's humbled as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, because I've watched him fuck up pad thai and dumplings and all of those stuff. And another chef is like, no, nah, that's not good enough. And he doesn't, <laughs> you know, he doesn't like talk back or anything. He's like, yes, chef. I mean, you know what I mean? He, he Discipline. Yeah. He, he, he comes from a real, because here's the thing about him. He actually is a real, like he, he holds a ton of Michelin stars. And he comes from, I mean, he, he comes from uh, Marco Piero White, who's like one of the, you know, most reputable and, and famous chefs. You know, I don't want to get too far in, into the weeds, but like he comes from, a, like if you know the background he comes from, you're like, oh shit, he was a, he was a, like. He was a real mid- deal. Yeah. How come no one, how come no one can overtake Michelin? Since they only go to like a handful of cities, how come nobody is, has taken up the mantle to go, to go everywhere? Well, I mean, they got, the, they have the world's 50 best. So there's a, there's a couple of different ranking systems. So Michelin is sort of, I mean, that is the, that is sort of like the guiding, you know, uh, the guy like the guide for the entire world. Now they're not in every city, but they're they're expanding quite significantly and, and quite quickly. So they're, you know, they 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 were only in they only came to Florida last year. They only were in they only came to L.A. in 2019. I mean, but they're starting to roll out a lot of extra cities. But they have there's. Um, the world's 50 best. Uh, there's uh, OAD, Opinionated About Dining, that they do the top 100 in, in, the, in North America and in Europe. Um, 
there, there are a couple of other ones. But the thing about Michelin is they've been around for over 100 years. So, you know, in that time, it just has just become like, I mean, no, you don't even have to be involved in food to know like, oh, that's a Michelin star. Yeah. Like that means something. And this is this is the tire company, by the way. It is. A lot of people don't realize yep. that. Well, here's the thing. The original Michelin guide, when you were buying the tires in the early 1900s, they would be like, here's a book of places to go to. And based on that, it would in, it would entice you to drive your car more, wear out your tires, get new tires. Right, right. So they would give you a book that would say, so the star rating was one star was worth a stop. So if you're driving through the town, stop here. Two stars is worth a detour. If you're driving through the town, go one town over. Three stars is worth a journey. Leave your home to go to this place. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now... And it was all just as a ruse to get you to to, to drive to burn more. out tired. Yeah. Every, everything starts out with bullshit. You know, I just watched a thing yesterday about, <laughs> about a restaurant in Germany. I guess it's the number one restaurant in the world. It costs $1,000. And it's a, it's like a seven-hour dinner, like a 30-course like a or 50-course seven-hour dinner. And it's just a bunch of bullshit. I mean, I, like, what restaurant is this? I, I didn't finish watching. Um, it's called. Can you look it up, Rob? I've never eaten in Germany. I'm trying, so I'm trying I to look for it right now. I wonder if I know it. Yeah, it's actually. I can look. At, I can look at my. Um, I can look at my history, my YouTube history. But it's. Uh, I mean, I immediately turned it off because it was like the. Because I don't know. I mean, maybe I should have finished the video, but it almost felt like they were doing. They were being weird for weirdness' sake. Uh, is it in Germany? It's in Germany. It's yeah. it's easy for food to come off that way without it in front of you and without eating it. But see right there, you just passed uh, uh, Michael Pierre White, the culinary godfather. If you go up one more, see that's the dude I was talking about that Gordon oh, yeah. trained I, under. I went down a culinary just by happen happenstance. By the way, I, I didn't do this to prepare to talk to you, um, but my suggestions be all over the place. You see, it's all Diablo and food <laughs> and NBA. Um, why the fuck don't I see it? Let's see. I mean, I think if you just Horvath, Margot, Tim Rao, Facile. Was, oh, maybe it's Les Horvath. Solistes. No, it's, Horvath? it's it's the number one restaurant in the world. And it was this, uh, okay, you know what? I can just look it up. How do you spell restaurant? Horvath. R-E-S-T-A-U. Oh, let me know. No, no. <clears throat> I mean, if it's the number one restaurant in the world, it should be easy to Google. Um, well, that's what this kid said in the video. Okay, here it is. Uh, Alchemist. Alchemist. Yeah, that's not that's not in Germany. Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Yeah, oh, I know. Alchemist. Copenhagen's not Germany. No. No. Oh, okay. Denmark. Denmark. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I so I I'm very familiar with this restaurant, and I was actually thinking Alchemist, but I was like, it's not in Germany. Yeah, it was like it was like it, it started out with like a drink that had rabbit ears in it. Yeah. So it is like you eat a you eat a butterfly as one of the courses. Uh, There's. It's like so. Here's the thing. Shoot myself in the throat before I eat a butterfly. <laughs> well, I think they like, fifty courses. They like freeze dry it or something first, so it's supposed to be delicious. I don't know. I have not eaten there, but so Alchemist. I mean, I would I would love to go there. That's you, a restaurant that I would you love pay a, to you eat. You pay a thousand dollars to eat here. It's seven hours. So I've eaten at rest. So here's the thing: dining at that level, at that world class level, it's like can, theater. A little, a little bit. Um, so there, like I've been to, I've been to some restaurants that are like five hours, six hours. And here's the thing: I've been, well, I've been to several of them. Some of them are like, God damn, get me, like, what the fuck? And some of them you don't want to leave. See, that, that, that's what I love about Sushi Best Scratch is you go there, and it is a bit of theater, 
Because you need that to separate from being just a regular restaurant, right? I mean, but the the time between bites yeah. is perfect. I have this thing. Like, like I said, I've been to restaurants before that are 12-course tasting menus that are six hours long. And I've been to restaurants that are 30 courses that are six hours long. And it's more likely the 30 courses in six hours is going to keep you more engaged because the food's this fucking big. Right? Right, right. So if you got to wait 15 minutes in between each course, you run out of shit to talk about. It's bo- like it's, but there's like in a lot of these restaurants, I guarantee that it doesn't have just one room. You're going to start here. You're going to have like, you know, canapes and cocktails. You're going to go to this room. They're going to take you over there. You're going to go to the roof to overlook the sunset and have a cigar. And then they're going to take you back downstairs and into this. Like it's, it's not dinner. It's, it's a complete like, okay. Yeah. I mean, is my, my thing is, is this worth $1,000? I think it's worth $1,000 in the same way that, you know, somebody buys a painting for fucking $500,000. Here's what's wild. This place only has two Michelin stars. Yeah. How are they the number one restaurant in the world with two Michelin stars? It's not the number one restaurant in the world. Oh, that's how he started the video. Maybe he meant it's the most expensive restaurant. I think it's it's number 20 on the world's 50 best. Oh, yeah, man, man. But also, it's a fucking head. It's, it's a headline. A thousand bucks might be for two. It might be for one person, and it might be worth it. And it probably it's well. Let me rephrase it. It's definitely worth it for the person who wants to go and eat that type of art. Yeah, that's worth a that's worth a detour if you find your help. If you find yourself in the Netherlands, uh, Denmark. If you find yourself in Denmark. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I definitely six hundred and seventy bucks USD per person. Is it, wait a minute? Is for, Denmark? Is that the Dutch? No. That's Holland. No. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Well, uh, look at that. That doesn't even look tasty. Uh, okay. Like apparently it's starting. But, but 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 it's like it's like six hundred and sixty-seven bucks, like U.S. So I mean, that's how much it costs to go to a Disneyland or something like that. You're paying for Which an experience. You're not just paying for. <laughs> well, sure. But obviously, lots of people think it's 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 worth that amount of money. But it's it's you're paying for whatever fifty impressions or whatever over the course of several hours so it's a it's a full day yeah, it's, it's not like it's not tuesday for. night hey honey you hungry that's not what that right. is yeah because i'm like for a thousand dollars there better be some molly in one of these cocktails there might be <laughs> yeah you never know um okay um so i guess um, oh yeah so we were kind of talking before uh before we i mean s- i've done molly in denmark and that's way cheaper than a thousand dollars and then it's everything's gonna seem like you're oh, me, eating it off a tongue i mean shit. unless you get caught then it's way more. It's way more expensive. I don't. I don't think they give a shit about Molly in Denmark. Okay. Um. So we kind of. It kind of came up to, uh, to uh, organically here, but we were talking before the pod. So Diablo Four is about to come out. I don't know if y'all are gamers. I'm definitely a gamer. Um, I mean, see, you know what it is. Gamers would not call me a gamer, but non-gamers right. would. I I game daily. I would call you a gamer. I'm a gamer at heart. I'm a gamer if I had more time yeah, to game. Yeah, ex- exactly. Well, I guess I'm an adult gamer. Like when I was when I was younger, I would game all day. Yeah. Like like I would I would plan at least one day a week. I would I would I would game from the time I woke up till the time I went to sleep. At least one day a week, maybe two. You know, cuz I was just I was hardcore. Like if I bought a game, I wanted to master that shit. Yep. And you know, obviously I had parents that were against that. 
Little did they know if they'd have let me shine, I'd be a millionaire right now. Nobody, nobody predicted that gaming would be a no. multi-million dollar business now. It was the op. I mean, at our in our age group, it was the exact opposite. Our parents were saying, "You'll never amount to anything if you do this." I was like, "Then why you buy the motherfucker, then, Granny? Why you buy a Nintendo if you don't want anybody to enjoy it? <laughs> I think you just didn't like people having fun." Okay. Anyway, um, uh, and uh, and I I broke when I joined the military, I broke off. You know, I stopped gaming. I stopped watching wrestling. I stopped watching TV. I just didn't have access to those things. It, this was before. This was right before broadband became uh, ubiquitous. You know, it was like this was like when when you had dial up if you had money. It was this this era. So there wasn't. So we, you know, it was maybe four years later we got broadband in the barracks. You know what I mean? It was that kind of thing. back in the day when you were doing a meth from and then your dad takes a fucking phone call and you get kicked off. Exactly. So I'm I'm in the barracks, and one of my roommates. We had there were three of us in this room, and one of them had Diablo two. Now this guy also had um, the grossest smelling feet I've ever come across in my whole life. It was like some kind of plague, or or, or, or what have. It was one of them things where it's like. Wherever he stepped, it just smelled like that from that point forward. You know, and it didn't go away. And if you stepped right there, that shit got on your feet. It was that kind of situation. And we, it was nothing we could do about it. It was like we tried to soak this motherfucker's feet. And it, it didn't seem to bother him. But it was it was unbelievable. And obviously, we could have got him kicked out of our room. But he, he had a laptop with Diablo 2. And I think I played it more than he did. Like I put up with I put up with that shit because I got a nose like a bloodhound, you know. And I suffered through this motherfucker's feet. Just we managed it so I could play Diablo two all the fucking time. I probably would have done the same thing. I, I was, was obsessed with that game. It was it was almost like it was it was specially formulated to get you addicted. I was well, it was it was yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was designed because I wore that because you because yeah, people forget. So the first Diablo changed the game. Before that, any ARPG, meaning action RPG, was slow or it was turn-based or it was what a Diablo kicked it up. Yep. Where you it was fat it was the first RPG that was like fast paced. and and you know, I watched a video yesterday about like somebody went and played one, two, three, and four and like showed how it's improved over the years. And um Two was two was the pinnacle of the series, mm-hmm. and then three came out, and it was okay. It was nice to have a new Diablo, and it was fine, but it got too complicated. It I was, I didn't like it, but I guess that's because I mean, Diablo two I was incredibly obsessed with. I yeah. was playing several hours a day every day as a kid, and I was like, I mean, I was like, uh, I mean, I I I got I found a wind force. I got it. I mean, I, I I found three SOJs in my career. Like I was like, I mean, I was, I wow. was really playing. And then you know, a, a decade later, whatever, twenty years later, they come out with Diablo three on uh, for the fucking um, what's the uh, little Nintendo one that you hold in your hand? Switch. Switch. And I was like, oh, they got a new. G-. And it and it was just like, oh, this sucks. 
but it, I but I but I played Diablo for playing online and finding you know the hunt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Diablo three tried. To, it was like it was doing an impression of Diablo two, but just better graphics. It was like those Gauntlet games that I can't remember. They're Gauntlet Legends. It was like those yeah. games back when it was just like you just click 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 and you just hit, you just keep running through the dungeon like shooting people. Yeah. This. Uh, so so and then you you lucky for you. You missed Diablo Immortal. We did a whole episode on that um, <laughs> not that long ago. But it was basically, so uh, not that long ago, Blizzard was either bought by or merged with Activision. Really? I didn't know that. Which is like, which is, it's it's kind of like if, it's kind of like if, uh, if, if, uh, if Emperor Palpatine and Luke Skywalker merged. You know, it was like, the rep they use Blizzard's reputation. Well, it's like it's like it's like if Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker merged, and now Microsoft is buying them. Yeah, which is that's it, the Emperor. It was it was kind of like um, Activision has always been shitty and evil, and they kind of use Blizzard's reputation to get off a few more evil moves. You know. So, so so was that what came out with Diablo 3? No, Diablo Immortal. So got it. they Diablo 3 came out I believe yeah, Diablo 3 came out before Activision got mer- you know bought, bought Blizzard or merged with Blizzard. I don't I don't know what what kind of evil sorcery they did, but but everything they made after that there was always some kind of weird cash grab. And so with Diablo Immortal it was a mobile game that that also transferred to PC and Basically, every single exploitative way they could monetize the game, they did. And it, it got to the point where, like, you know, someone did the math, and it was like, for you to actually... Do well in the game, you had to spend money? Or it would take you, like, 20 years, or you or $100,000. That's You perfect. could either spend your time, or you could spend your cash. And if you chose to spend your time, it would take you, like... 20 30 years Is this because to, they started making the games the game. like free or something like that and you had yeah like, they're uh, kind of free to play diablo immortal was free to play but it, and it was also a mobile game but it charged me 60 bucks and just let me play the goddamn but game it, well, exactly. well here's the thing diablo 4 is doing both they're charging they're, <laughs> they're, they're charging you full price for a triple a title and they're doing the battle pass model which is how normal free to play games get you hooked is they they have a battle pass so it's like every few months you buy a, you buy a pass that, you know, that every you know doing activities in the game unlocks levels in the pass, and there's free there's free tiers. But if you pay, this you unlock things in between cosmetics or rewards. Or See, whatever. I was never like a game genie guy. I wanted to play the fucking the whole point is to play the game. No, but you can't play the game unless you buy the battle pass. Like it's it's set it's set up as a choice. Oh, okay. But in reality, it's not like you're paying for like extra weapons or paying for that. You're just paying for the, the privilege well, to pay the, play the game you just bought. Was no, 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 no. You're paying for extras. That in some games they they are pay to win. In other words, the things in the battle pass make the game easier for you. And some things is just cosmetic, depending on what reputation they care about having. But but the point is. <clears throat> In addition to playing the game, there's extra things in the battle pass that make playing the game more fun, more easy, more aesthetically pleasing. And the more evil companies will include things in the battle pass that make it so. Like basically, what Diablo Immortal did was they made it so you d- you know you don't have to buy anything, but if you don't buy something, 
then you're going to fall so far behind that the game isn't going to become fun anymore. And by the t- and by the time you realize that, you've already invested X amount of like you know thirty hours into the game. Yeah, f- you know forty bucks or whatever. And by the time you realize that you have to buy shit, it, you're, it's too late, and your friends are passing you. You know, and so it's it's that kind of thing. It, it, it's the same. It's the same thing with like like I'm, I'm more into like fighting games, but like new Street Fighters coming out, and they're going to launch with you know, whatever, 20-something characters. But then there's going to be a season pass you have to buy to get the additional fighters. And you don't need to buy that to play online, but you don't have access to a significant portion of the roster. That's why I'm I'm just going to stick with Zelda. Yeah, yeah, keep, it, keep it. it easy. But Diablo Four is coming out, and I played. <laughs> I played both. I played both betas. I played the server slam, and and a long time ago, I vowed that I would never pre-order another game. And Diablo Four got me sucked in. And listen, it the game hasn't launched yet. It comes out next week. They're doing. There are. It is a cash grab already, um, but all of the monetization models they've used have been tolerable. Not they. They. They haven't approached evil more manipulative. <laughs> you know what I mean? And for example, you. I get to play the game four days early because I bought the. I pre-ordered the premium edition. Sure. You know those kind of things. And and I know I'm going to regret it. Like so, you're going to be level nine when everyone else is starting. Oh, I'm gonna be level twenty because I'm taking a day off. I'm not doing nothing that day or the next day, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna probably be level twenty or thirty before I wake up. But I will say, <laughs> I will say, um, I know the other shoe's gonna drop because this is Activision Blizzard. This ain't Blizzard. This ain't the Blizzard you knew. This ain't your grandmama Blizzard. This is Activision Blizzard. The evil shit is coming. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but the game hasn't come out yet. And like for example, they just did this with Overwatch. Um, so I don't know if you're familiar with Overwatch. I, I've heard of it. I've never played it. Okay, oh, oh, so Overwatch, you know, it was it was one game of the year when it first came out in like 2014 or something like that, and then, um, and and, and it was a full price game, and then they stopped making content for it like, uh, you know, four or five years in, and then they go they go, uh, and then they had a they had a sexual harassment scandal right before their big convention, and so. They came out and was like, hey, guys, Overwatch 2 is coming out to, like, distract from the scandal. At least that's my theory. And everyone got excited about it. And it was supposed to be this RPG-like game with a single-player mode. And this PvE, is baby. Yeah, PvE. PvE. And, um, and when the game released, that mode wasn't ready. So all we really got was an updated, free-to-play version of Overwatch 1. The uh, graphics were updated. There were new characters introduced. Um, but it was still the multiplayer versus game. The, everybody's waiting on the RPG style PVE adventure game. PVE, what is that? P- uh, player versus environment. So instead of player versus player, player versus environment. In in this sense, in this sense, th- that it means RPG. Got it. So so um, so like The Witcher would be PVE. N- yes, but. Technically, it's more it's more like um, MMORPG type stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like like World of Warcraft or whatever, where it's 
it's you you can have pvp in there where it's like player versus player uh-huh. or you can have pve where it's player versus environment right right and but, in those instances you can either be solo or you can do it with other players yeah because in this because pve technically i guess the witcher would technically be pve but in the in the gamer world pve means it 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 implies that like we're playing together like like this it's a social thing right Got so it. it's it's us You're... versus the the computer versus instead of us versus each us. other got right. it um yeah so uh, c- computer controlled monsters and NPCs so everquest would like have been a pve yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. i'm so far out of the fucking um, but the, the gaming loop <laughs> the point is overwatch 2's been out for maybe like 9 months now or something let's see it's been out for a minute now, and basically what they told everybody was, hey, if you buy these skins and buy these things, you're supporting the development of this this other thing. And they, and then yesterday, they, or a few days ago, they announced that not only is the adventure mode scrapped, not only is the PvE mode scrapped, but it was scrapped before this, before Overwatch 2 ever came out. So they so everyone's been playing and investing in this game, waiting on this other thing, which was the whole justification for the sequel in the first place. And the this whole time they've known that it was never coming. Damn. Right. So what's a, what, what, what are they, what are people more mad about that or cyberpunk? No, people are way more mad at that. Cyberpunk got I think cyberpunk got more shit than it deserved. But that that's another company where because before before the cyberpunk debacle, because that's another thing that happened. CD Projekt Red had a had a flawless reputation. I would have bought any game they put out. Yeah, which Witcher Three I think is like the best game ever. It's, it's one of the best games yeah. of all time. Yeah, and 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 that well, which two solidified their reputation, and Witcher Three just cemented it in stone. And I thought it was unbreakable. But then guess what happened? They got bought by a bigger company. Yeah, and then they forced them to put Cyberpunk out too early because it was a cash grab. And it tanked their reputation, and um, and now there aren't any companies left. That Blizzard was the last company left. You know, Dice, 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 Blizzard, and CD Projekt Red completely ruined their reputations. Where out, out of short term greed, because now, because before anyone, before the the average gamer would have bought any game any of those companies put out, pre order everything, and now I would never do that, even though I just did that. <laughs> And so now I'm waiting. I don't know how Diablo 4 is going to try to fuck me. But I know they will. I know they're going to do it. I just, and I can't, you know, everyone is like, well, maybe this time. We're in a, we're, let's face it, folks. We're in an abusive relationship with Blizzard. We're in an abusive relationship with Activision. They're trauma bonding with us, right? Because they, they're the same ones that inflict our pain. And then they turn around and make us feel better. You know, it's the whole... Why I'm sorry, I'm sorry you made me have to do that. Let's go for ice cream. That's what Blizzard's doing to us with Diablo 4. Because the shoe is going to drop. The shoe is going to drop. Because it's the same CEO. The same evil-looking mother... Pull up a picture of this motherfucker. <laughs> he, he looks like he makes evil decisions. And don't bat it, doesn't bat an eye. You know? Bobby Kotick. Bobby Kotick. Bobby Kotick looked like... I bet you he monetizes meals in his house. He looks like Modoc from Quantumania. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, his kid. I bet you his kids got to pay for food. 
or at least extra for like extra cheese. Yeah, like they, like they get an allowance, but it all gets deducted because it was like, didn't you eat dinner yesterday? He gives his, he gives his kids allowance and script. Yeah, oh, man. Or <laughs> just his wife has to buy a battle pass for sex. <laughs> like, uh, uh, uh. So what's your character in Diablo? Now that's a tough one. So that's another thing. Diablo is so good. It's so good. Different, I, I imagine different character classes 20 years later. No, I mean. That was a sorceress. Actually, what they've done is they've combined they a lot of them. So there's, a, so there's sorcerer still. There's, there's, there's barbarian, mm-hmm. sorcerer, necro, necromancer. There's no paladin. Okay. Um, necromancer. Druid? Is Druid one of them? Druid and rogue. That's your assassin? Right. Yeah. So basically what they did was they kind of. They kind of combine like rogue and witch doctor and um, all in a one and like because the paladin had druid type skills, right? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, but I, everyone speculates that the paladin is going to be the secret next character that they probably going to put out in six months and charge yeah. you twenty five bucks for. Um, the druid's pretty. The druid and the barbarian are both pretty tanky, though. So for a lot of the paladin um, players, they'll probably I mean, they're both gear dependent right now. But my man, yeah. you know. So the thing is, during the open beta, um, and during the betas and stuff, I played them all because before I would have never touched barbarian. Yeah. No, I'm a sorcerer guy all the way through. Wizard, yeah. sorcerer. I always go that. But I played all the classes and I loved them all. I was like, man, now I don't even know where. I don't even know. Almost. I think I'm still gonna start with druid because he because he he. Um, he he can have wolves following him, which I just think is so cool. Yeah, he can he can transform into a werewolf or a were bear, and there's a whole direction you can go. Yeah, with see, that. that was shit that the paladin used to do that stuff, right? Um, Back in yeah, YouTube? yeah, yeah. And yep. so he and um, he, the, yo, he has a thing where like a storm will follow him and just randomly strike people with lightning. Yeah, um, he ha- he can have wolves follow him. There's a vine that can follow him that like poisons people, and there's a crow, even though you can't see the crow. Anyway, there's there's a lot of shit going on in this game, and it was like they just they made it. It feels darker. It feels more like Diablo. Hell yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like, maybe I'll check it. Well, with what fucking time? But I would love. I just bought Zelda, and I still haven't fucking really oh, played yeah, it see, yet. I wouldn't buy Diablo. Like, you're too busy. Like I'm not. I'm not that busy. Cause I'm. Cause I'm gonna start streaming on Twitch, and so I'm at some point is I'm gonna make money from that. And so, so you could just feed the fucking Activision yeah, beast. Well, or I'm just justifying my addiction. I mean, maybe I'll never make money from that, you know. But uh, but the thing is, I game enough where I should be at least trying to. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how all this goes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what kind of evil they're gonna surprise me with, or something. I, I, but I know it's coming, and 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 they, uh, they'll think of something. They'll they'll think of something. Okay, let me just hold. On. Let me close everything before this. I got an article that I uh, teed up specifically for Chef Phil here because I think that both of you guys might have some strong opinions about this. Where? where? It's in the Trello. MSG is finally getting its revenge. Well, oh, so I'm a big fan of MSG. I don't know how you feel, Chef Phil, um, but it's my little secret weapon because a lot of people – Still believe the bullshit. A lot of people don't don't remember, don't know still that the whole anti MSG thing was just an anti Asian thing. Um, it, it, the MSG isn't any more bad for you than table salt. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it it's naturally occurring. I mean, we like that. Um, you know that that matcha green tea salt that I make 
at yeah. yeah, that's basically sort of trying to replicate all of the elements of MSG. So it's like it's uh, matcha, which has a bunch of umami, salt, a little bit of sugar, uh, kelp, uh, and and mushrooms that we turn into a powder and then make. So we basically are making something that has a similar uh, uh, output as MSG. But yeah, MSG has never been a thing, you know. Our parents' generation was like, you can't heat it. It'll give you a headache. It'll make you feel oh, bad. Yeah. It's you, just not true. Or you'd see signs up at Chinese restaurants that said no MSG. Yeah. And it's like, and and now looking back on it, those motherfuckers were lying. <laughs> okay. Oh, saying that there wasn't any in there? <laughs> yeah, because I didn't know. Or it, be some shitty-ass Chinese food. It's also hard to explain because of the MSG thing. Yeah. And so there's a whole generation of Americans that grew up thinking MSG was poison. Now it's impossible to explain to the average person what umami is, because they go, well, "What you? What do you mean? Salty, sweet?" And it's like, no, it's it's umami. It's its own thing. It's MSG. It's like, when, it's it's like it's, when you think about you know when you think about uh, uh, eating uh, beef jerky and all of a sudden your mouth starts to like salivate. Like that's what it, that's what it is. Yeah, it's it's the it's the MSG flavor. Yeah, it's and it's so that so anyway, um uh. A lot of people still think that way. And so I, I can blow people's minds when I add that to something. And they're like, this is fucking good. See, that's where my only my only hang up on MSG is that. You called it, what, your secret weapon or something like that? Oh, yeah. Is there have been chefs who are like, of course I use MSG. How else am I supposed to make it taste good? And oh. I'm like, to me, MSG should be, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't cook with it. I don't use it. Not because I think it's bad for you. Not because I have an issue with it. But it's kind of like cheating. There is something about taking an everyday environment. It's, it's like a great joke where it's like we're talking about not something super esoteric, not something that only some people know, but like everybody knows this topic. And I'm crushing with this topic. If I can just, if, if we, you and me go to the, the HEB. And you pick out a bunch of ingredients, and I can make it taste in a way that you've never had it before. What's more impressive, that, or if I take something I sprinkle on this powder, and now it's amazing? You oh know no, what I'm saying? I, no, no, you're t- you're a- a- absolutely. So you're, you're it's like, it's kind of like low hanging fruit. It's kind of like hack material. Yeah, no, I think it's just kind of like I don't know how to to talk use this analogy for comedy, but it's kind of back to gaming. It's like you just bought. It's like, okay, if you're going to start playing Diablo and you purchase a character at level 90 and you purchase uh, 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 a wind force and you purchase all of the fucking, you know, the the, the, the dopest items and you're like, yeah, I'm, watch this. I'm really good. I go with Yeah. Versus you got to start from the beginning. You got to actually build the flavors. You got to actually, you know, season it properly. Don't, know, you know, all the things that require it to naturally be good. You can just go, bop, and now it's delicious. Okay. All right. Like you're saying that like when you're when you're cooking and you're using like MSG is naturally occurring in the food and so it's in the things that you might make but taking something that's extracted in sort of industrial process and just sprinkling that on is like flavor powder. You're saying like that's Yes, that's I mean the you're difference. you're quite literally adding flavor pa- powder. It's it's like getting yeah. yourself it's like using a game genie, getting extra lives. It's like getting It's like li- you know, it's like liquid smoke. You know, it's just a cheat. It's just a cheating ingredient. Yeah, but that doesn't end up tasting like smoke. That ends up tasting fucking weird. I agree. Yeah, unless you've never had smoke stuff. That's. True. I mean, that, I guess I take that back. There are ways to to use liquid smoke that are tasteful and delicious. Just like uh, you know, f- the first thing every young chef wants to hate on is uh, truffle oil, and I don't. And I don't mm-hmm. ever use it either. 
But there, I have had times before where I ate something, found out there was truffle oil, and I was like, wow, that was used, that was used very, very well. Like you, you actually understood how to use that ingredient. Right. Well, let's see. Let's see how it's getting its revenge. Yeah. <laughs> In March, the World Health Organization issued a dire warning that was also completely obvious. Nearly everyone on the planet consumes too much salt, and not just to sprinkle too much. On average, people consume more than double what is advisable every single day, raising the risk of common diseases such as heart attack and stroke. If governments intervene in such profligate... profligate. Who the fuck puts that kind of word in an article? Profligate. What does profligate mean, Rob? Uh, when you overdo something, when you're... You know, okay. When you, when you consume too much of something or learn when that you context. waste too much of something. So if governments intervene in such profligate salt intake, the WHO urged... They could save the lives of seven million people by twenty thirty. Um, I feel like we could we could we could lose a few people. Okay, that that's okay. That's not positive. <laughs> uh, such warnings about salt are so ubiquitous. Oh, uh, wait a minute! I have to fucking sign in to read this. Um, here, wait. Let me drop. Let me drop this into the chat here. <laughs> You're subscribed oh, okay. to the Atlantic, Rob. No, I use something called Twelve Foot Ladder. That's a free ad for Twelve Foot Ladder. Oh, I kind of like the way I use Pocket because if you if you save it, it'll give you the whole thing. Yeah, see if see if that works. The thing I just dropped in the Trello at the bottom of that that list. So I already have some comments on what what they're saying so far, but we'll, we'll read the rest of it first. I don't. That's s- one of the reasons why I brought it up. <laughs> I don't see the. I chat. knew you would have something to say about this. Where's no, no, the no, chat? no. Look, look, look in Trello, Brian. In I'm Trello, looking, I'm looking in, in Trello. In, scroll all the way to the bottom. You see, it says twelve feet. That card right there. Click on that card. Okay. Twelve foot ladder uh, basically dumps you on the other side of a paywall. How do I? For do most, that? Ooh, I need that. Yeah. We yeah, it's awesome. That. It doesn't work for everything, unfortunately, but it works for like ninety percent of ninety percent. It's kind of stuff for me. Okay. Yeah, ninety percent is good enough. So the main reason, so the main reason salt has remained a problem is that it is a major part of all processed food, and well, it makes everything delicious. Persuading Americans to reduce their consumption would require a convincing dupe, something that would cut down on unhealthy sodium without making food any less tasty. No perfect dupe exists, but the next best thing could be MSG. Seriously, last month, the FDA proposed reducing sodium in certain foods using salt substitutes. One candidate that has reached behind it is monosodium glutamate, the white crystalline powder that has long been maligned in the West as an unhealthy food additive, a common seasoning in some Asian cuisine MSG was linked in the late 1960s to ailments, headaches, numbness, dizziness, heart palpitations that became known as Chinese restaurant syndrome. (laughs) The health concerns around MSG have since been debunked and the FDA considered it safe to eat, but it still has a bad rap. Many products are still proudly advertised as MSG free. Now the chemical may soon get its revenge. Um, so ba- so basically, it, the the idea is that monosodium monosodium glutamate can be used as a as a salt substitute because it has about a third of the sodium sodium. But yeah, I'm well, sure Chef Phil has plenty to say. That's about why I started using it. The claims I, about sodium. My doctor told me that I had to cut back on my sodium, and so I started looking for salt alternatives. So here's the thing, in it in it. In it, it reveals itself here it's about processed foods it's not about salt i eat i don't i've i don't eat processed foods or i I do very 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 rarely i do consume a ridiculous amount of salt 
And, you know, I started doing ways to well and I've, you know, I'm getting my blood work done, check my sodium levels. I'm actually just below where it should be. I don't believe that it is now I'm not a doctor and all that bullshit, but what they're talking about is people who get all their salt from Big Macs. That shit is not like if you go to the store and you're cooking and you put some salt on it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I actually had them specifically pull my blood work on the – because I was worried. I can – I mean as a chef, I use a lot more salt in my cooking than the average home cook does. The average person is not consuming as much actual salt as I am. So I thought I would be way out of fucking whack. Turns out I'm not at all. But it's because I'm not eating all the sodium that is packed into – all of like that's in the nitrates and the hot dogs and in, in, in all of the fast food burgers and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So it's kind of the same thing that like uh, Joe always talks about where it's like they say meats, meat leads to, you know, heart disease. But they're asking the people who are eating McDonald's, not the people who are who are hunting their own fucking animals. You know what I mean? So mm. that's my take on it. I think MSG is 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 a fine thing to use. I think there's nothing wrong with it. I think that when you're at home, if you're, if you want to like add extra flavor, it's no different than fucking taking, you know, I keep always a bottle of Tabasco sauce. That's my go-to, right? Boom, boom, boom. But the reason I use Tabasco and not all the other cool fancy ones is if you look at the back, it says peppers, salt, and that's it. Those are the only ingredients. I try to eat really, really clean and healthy. And so when I consume a disproportionate amount of salt to the average person, it doesn't affect me in the way that this does. Also, um, I have swapped out MSG salt. For, like MSG is in place of the salt, but it's not. It it doesn't replace salt flavor wise. No. So it, it it you because you can put you can put a bunch of MSG on something and still feel like it needs salt. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not exactly the same flavor. So, um, you know, while I while I you know, I don't think this is going to work is what I'm trying to say. It, <laughs> but, it, but it will in what they're talking about. They're talking about putting this into all the processed foods to cut down the sodium. Oh, I thought they were just talking about advising Americans to use this instead of table salt. No, I think, what, I, think, I, think I think they may be saying that too. But what I think what they're talking about is they're looking at all of their processed foods – reducing the, the salt level by replacing that with MSG. Yeah, but, I, but I also think what, what people are, what, what, see, these kind of, see, okay, this is a, uh, Phil, sometimes we optimistic on here, sometimes we cynics, and this is a cynicism day. Um, this whole thing is completely overlooking the fact that the average person nowadays is stupid as hell. They're so easily lied to. They will believe anything. You think Big Salt just going to step aside (laughs) and let you replace all that shit with MSG? No. No. I I can't imagine there's a lot of fucking big MSG, uh, you know, lobbyists. They're going to politicize it. Oh, you'd be surprised. They're actually, they they quote a trade group in a lot of the studies about... uh, the sodium levels on MSG and the potential health effects oh, are yeah. by trade groups Yo, that come, sell. They come MSG. in just like the milk industry. They come in just like the sugar people. Like they, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna start a conspiracy theory. I'm not gonna say which side they're gonna conspire to, but one of the sides of the political spectrum is gonna get fooled and make it. This is gonna become political, and, you know. And they're gonna be like the other side wants your food to be nasty and. 
They giving you that Chinese shit that gives you headaches. They're just going to bring back the rumor. Because that's why they, that's part of the reason why the rumor kept has, has because when we found out it was bullshit, nobody, like, they didn't put out a PSA correcting it. You know? Right. Like, where's yeah. the beef? Well, they, they don't. Yeah. No, no. Because it benefits them. They, there is no way the salt in it. There's no, you think Morton's ain't coming out guns blazing? Unless they unless they make MSG too, hmm. maybe they've they been working do. on it for the past twenty years, and that's why they're now going to debunk it themselves. Because yeah, I I carry I carry MSG with me. That the way road. they're selling you the MSG and me the salt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, but I don't remember which brand it is. But I have a thing of MSG that I keep because it does make everything taste better. So when I have shitty things, I just a little sprinkle of that. Bring that get good. <laughs> See, but that right there is why I'm talking about, like, as a chef, if, like, you should have, like, if you're making food, you should be able to make it taste good. You're taking something that doesn't taste good and going. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's almost like when, um th- that's why, like, whenever people tell me, like, uh, I'm a big chicken wing guy. Think about this. Here's a perfect analogy for, for comedy. Imagine you're working on a bit and you just, it's you're, you're this fucking close. And then somebody's like, yo, if you just put this little powder on your tongue... It'll kill every single time. You should, but it'll make you not as good of a comedian because you're just gonna start getting your thing halfway nah, and then fuck putting what that. you talk about. If there was a pattern I could put on my tongue where I could kill all the time, I'm snorting that shit. I'm putting it in drinks. Please come out with a comedy steroid. Um, no, no, I, I get what you're saying from a craftsman standpoint. No, I know. I no, I totally get it. It's cheating. It's like like like, like I was about to say. I I, uh, I I like I order chicken wings pretty often. And, you know, you can't trust a lot of people's opinion when they say, oh, this place is good. The wings are great. But I always, if I've never eaten somewhere, I order the wings plain. Yeah. Put the sauce on the side. Because you ain't going to smother, you're not going to smother my shit in sauce and then it's shitty wings underneath. Because that's what, you know, yep. a lot of shitty restaurants do that. They'll smother something in sauce or gravy because the, the actual meat is is shit or it's not cooked well. You yeah. Know? And, and they hide it. By just smothering it in some sauce or something that comes out of a bottle, so that, and so they aren't cooks. They're like just, you know, they're not chefs. They just cooks and they and they they're just they're dressing it up with with the easy mode shit. But I'm not. I'm neither of those things, you know. So I just carry I just carry around some MSG with me. I mean, slice it up, slice it up a little bit, you know. I don't hate it. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should put a little sugar in there. No, no, no. The MSG is going to mimic that as well. It's already going to have all those that that stuff. Oh yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good, man. It really is. And I don't know when I stop falling for the propaganda. Um, we still have much to learn about MSG as a salt substitute, but the biggest challenge is to taking it off is cultural, not scientific. Wow, we just said that. Did I just not say that? <laughs> the culture is dumb. That with, basically what they just told you at the end of the article is what they're trying to do is fucking impossible because people are stupid. Our culture nowadays glorifies stupidness, right? It's like I'm sitting here beside a world a world renowned chef. I'm not disagreeing with his food takes. Right, because that's the smart thing to do. But the average person, you know, I don't know, man. I just, I don't believe in the human race, and I and I, and I know that's bad, I, you know. Or what I what well, I'll say informed. is, well, what what I'll say is, the little belief I have left in humanity, it is it it's it's on life support, you know. And every now and then it'll flatline, and 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 you know something will happen to save it, you know. I, right now. My major reason to live is Diablo 4 is coming out on the 1st. 
You know, so I feel like there's a little hope if this game doesn't try to fuck me over. There's a there's a little hope. Um. Well, but, then there won't be any hope. No, no, they're gonna, they're gonna fuck Bones you over, Brian. Optimistic. What you think? Blizzard could stop. Could have stopped being evil. You think Activision? Yeah, they're not sure. evil all the time. I've that right. once. Yeah, I've never heard Activision use the N word. As, I'm pretty sure Bobby Kodak has definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He he certainly has. <laughs> that's probably what he, that's probably what he calls it when, when uh, that's probably their uh their internal code word for battle passes. <laughs> um um okay. So I think we got time for one more. Let's do one more. Um let's do one not specifically for Sheffields just so we can get a little weird. I mean, let's do something positive, huh? How about that? Oh man, I wish I had some positive ones in here. Uh, uh, Scientists create mice from two dads. No, that's not positive. Oh, lawmakers challenge child labor laws. No, no challenge. They're trying to get kids to work. No, they're targeting child labor laws to ease a worker shortage. (laughs) It's the opposite. Boy, if this doesn't reinforce my point, like we are living in the last <laughs> days, man. We're living in the last days. How old is your daughter? Thirteen months. She she, she gonna be the last. This is the last generation of children that's gonna have a normal childhood. It, it, when your daughter's having kids, they, those kids are gonna have to learn how to um, how to work with UV rays and. You know, like they gonna have to mutate to have like an extra kidney, or something that like digests all the point. You know, it's like the children yearn for the mines, Brian. (laughs) They do. They They want to work. (laughs) Legislators in multiple states are invoking a widespread labor shortage. So, so okay. Before we get into this, the article might cover it, but I do know the labor shortage is um, is caused by uh, by the fact that like the average person is not having enough children. So you think that's what it is? That's definitely what it is. I mean, that's, that is the, that is the found, that is the, that is a symptom of the foundational problem of like exploitation and all of that. But, but I just mean that when the, after the baby boom, the average person had like 2.4 children or something like that. And now it's, it's like 1.2 children, you know? So, so the point is, if you think about it like this, because because they they kind of manufactured this problem in China, yeah, and it kind of happened naturally here. But remember, China had a one child policy, right? Yeah. Remember that. So so that means it takes two people to make a child. So if two people can only make one child, that means those two people are being replaced by one person. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, and every time, right? Yeah. So so what's so what's happening now is that like that baby boom age happened. And now all those boomers are dying or retiring or whatever, and they're leaving. They're leaving behind less children. And and th- what the problem is creating for us is that now the working age people there aren't enough working age people to support the elderly. Well, couple that with the fact that now, I mean, like when I was fourteen, well, I got my first job when I was twelve. My dad got me a job under the table, and like I, I wanted to work. That was something that was that was exciting to me to go out and get a job and do stuff. 
But like nowadays, I think coupled with the fact that there's less people to do the jobs, I think there's also a culture of like there was no option to get rich on the internet or to just take pictures of myself yeah. or of your feet or of, you know, or, or like you had to go get a job. That's how you like you went and got a job. Nowadays, we live in a world where you don't need a job to make money. You don't need yeah, a job to get rich. You don't need a job to live. It's the gig economy. Yeah. And what happened too is the pandemic hit and, peop- and people realized, everyone started doing little side hustles and, you know, pursuing their dreams. <laughs> as soon as you realize it's a, like you don't have to do it to survive, then you don't do yeah, it anymore. Because but wait, but I, wait, I don't, I don't, I don't follow that. Wait, how, how is it easier to survive now than it was before as the cost I, no, of living I, goes no, up? I, I it's think, not easier. I don't think it's easier to survive. But people realized that you didn't have to have a full-time job to survive because they made it. They survived. So yeah. now they're like, oh, okay, they saw through the wall to say, you don't have to do this. I think the struggle exists, but it's like it's like the same calculation I made when I started doing comedy, where I was like, oh, I'd rather, I'd rather struggle doing this than, because, you know, I took this, I went the safe route and took the corporate job that made me miserable. And then I got a taste of comedy and it was like, if I could, if I could just make a, enough to just live on, it's way better to do this than than to make you know an abundance of money in doing something. I hate. And I think the pandemic forced a lot of people to make that calculation because they lost their jobs, or they had to find some little side gig, or they started selling their paintings or whatever the fuck, and then they realized, oh, I'd rather just get by doing this than I would. Um, doing that other thing or even when people had to pick up like second jobs where like they they drive for uber or lyft because they could they weren't allowed to do any other job and then they realized like oh fuck that other job I actually I, i'd rather just have these little gigs when i can work what i want and all this other stuff so they're not going back into they're not going to the mines well i'd imagine that or the like, chicken factory even uber right i imagine that they're not including uber in this this labor pool right like uh, all those people who are driving ubers could be in the they otherwise, if they weren't driving Ubers, could be in this labor force that they're saying is short. I mean, the thing is, with the gig economy, there are so many things you can do that isn't working at Starbucks, yeah, but this, that but isn't this, working. But this is like, let's go back to laissez-faire capitalism. Let, let yeah, I think, I, think, I think that the, the, the key here is that wages have not kept up with cost of living. So that's where the worker shortage is coming from. It's like, it's like it used to be you could make a living wage working in a chicken factory. Now you can't. And they're saying, well, we can't hire anybody because nobody wants to work. And it's like, well, no, nobody wants to work for below a subsistence wage, chopping up chicken and being surrounded by bleach. But also you had no option besides working in the chicken factory. Now, if you live in any one of those cities where the chicken factory is the place to go and work, you can just take pictures of your feet on the internet. Like that wasn't an option. It was never an option. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'd rather sell foot pics than, (laughs) than fucking sniff bleach all day. Now, this says um, why it matters. Some bills go beyond expanding eligibility f- or working hours for run-of-the-mill teen jobs. They make it easier for kids to fill physically demanding roles at potentially hazardous work sites. Protections could be could be see. I take this shit with a grain of salt. Protections could be stripped for youth most at risk of being exploited by employers like migrant children and kids from families facing financial problems. Driving the news. Oh, I like how they put that, they bring it down like that. A new Arkansas law signed by Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. That name sounds familiar, but not for good reasons. I don't know why, why <laughs> I know that lady's name, but okay. Last week, makes uh, Mike easy. Huckabee. 
Oh, okay, okay. Uh, is that's Mike Huckabee's wife or daughter? Uh, she is. What is her relationship to teens as young as fourteen to work without a, a permit? Wow, she signed that. Between the lines, the laws and proposals have largely been introduced by Republicans, but received support from some. Democrats. She's the daughter of Mike Huckabee. In Ohio and New Jersey. Well, that explains it. Legislators say the bills are largely in response to the current hot jobs market, with employers posting an elevated number of openings but struggling to fill positions. One Republican state senator in Ohio said allowing long hours for teen workers would help understaffed businesses and build leaders of the future. Um, Iowa lawmakers are considering legislation that would allow 14 and 15 year olds to work in industrial laundry services and freezers and meatpacking plants. <laughs> All right, y'all. Okay, listen. Th- this is a di- this is going to be a disaster. Okay, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if y'all know these teenagers ain't built like the up. They not built like your grandfather. They're not going out there challenging people to duels. Boy, these kids gonna fuck. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, they gonna because they, they, if you let these kids work in freezers and meat packing, they gonna start chopping their hands off. Your meat ain't gonna be packed correctly. Like these motherfuckers lazy. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's no, like, no, yes, no, yes. No, are you Brian, kidding me? They're not lazy. What are they? They're Have just you ever fucking kids? I, well, that's what I'm saying. Kids are lazy. I, I they I, don't they don't see the they don't think of, they can't think in the future. So they so they they well, see. but that's that's exactly one of the reasons why these are very bad. Like when you are 14 or 15 years old, and think back to what you were like. You do not have a concept of your own mortality. You do not do things in a safe manner. You do not pay attention when you get your training. So there's going to be kids. Well, who that's, get that's hurt what I'm saying. So here's the thing. I, I just said I got a job when I was 12. It wasn't you operating a bandsaw. <laughs> I mean, right, it was, exactly. I was, I, you know, I, I was. I got five dollars a day to go to my to my my father's friend's antique shop, and I would fucking dust the antiques for five sure. bucks a day. I think if there is some, I mean, I look at myself and I'm happy with the way I turned out. And so I think that that was a part of my journey. And I think that getting the discipline of having a job and having to show up and, and, and do your best, I think it's important to start that young. When, at 18 years old is not when you want to go get a job. 18, you just want to fuck around. Well, this is the cute part. Sure. Uh, New, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy last year signed bipartisan legislation that allows people 16 and up to work 50 hours a week during summer break if they get permission from a parent or legal guardian. Who the fuck wants to work 50 hours during summer break? I mean, that that that's, an, that's a... 50 hours is a lot. I mean, 50 hours is a professional job. That is yeah. like when you've decided that you want to dedicate yourself to a craft. Oh, God. Is when you put 50 hours in. 50 I think, hours. I think, I, think, I think that's part of what they're getting at here is like, same, same thing. I started working... I guess I started working when I was 14, but I was like... I was working in a doctor's office like organizing files. But you, right? you I wasn't be, I wasn't working a bandsaw, I wasn't bleaching chicken breasts, I wasn't like I wasn't you working, be in working a, 50 in a hours unless you own the business. Yeah, I mean I mean like there are some like in the cooking industry, a fifty hour week, that's a normal week. Really? A hundred percent. I mean that sometimes yeah, that yeah. can be a, a, a small week. But the thing about like people don't get into cooking for the money. As we brought up earlier, Precisely. you get into it because you fucking love it. And what you want to do all day is cook. And so when you go home from work, you go home and you cook and you watch video. So like when I was coming up, I would always show up two or three hours before my shift just to be in the restaurant. And then I wouldn't go home when I clocked out and I wasn't trying to. Back then there wasn't as the laws were a little bit. Uh, Loose. looser. So I wouldn't clock in. And I would just show up or, like I wanted to be in the kitchen. 
You know what I mean? People who are who who want to learn how to make films, fifty hours is nothing. It's about like you shouldn't be stocking groceries for fifty hours a week on your summer break. That I think is wrong. Mm. But I do think that for people who want, not for the money, maybe they need it. But I think that you know you shouldn't stand in the way of somebody who wants to learn, who wants to grow, who has a passion for that craft. Well, Imagine if they told somebody they could only do, you know, you can only be around comedy <coughs> x amount of hours a week. How are you going to get good? How are you going to get above everyone else? Right, but that, but, the, but that's different because comedy is what I want to be doing. But that's this, what I'm talking about. This too. is for jobs that nobody wants. That, so they're trying to be like, "Oh, kids can do them." Yeah, right? they sh- I disagree with that. Um, I, I and, and, and also there's a difference between somebody who's like, I mean, even 12 or 14 or 16 or whatever, who's getting a part-time job like bagging groceries or something to get spending money yeah. or to get a little bit of work experience or what have you, versus a 13-year-old who's working at a chicken processing plant because their family needs that money to make rent. Hey, but you know Those what, are two though? different scenarios. Hey, listen. You know, and listen, I'm totally against these laws going to effect. I'm totally against it. But while they're in effect, we could use some interns around here. And Brian and, wants an assistant so bad. Yeah. Do you, mean, want listen, a, do you want a 14 year old assistant, though, Brian? I mean, listen, I'm not going to pay you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll pay you in like PlayStation points or um, I'll get you some. Uh, I'll get you some. Um, battle passes? Yeah, some battle passes. I'll get you mm-hmm. some, some Fortnite skins. Can I do that? Can we pay these kids in Fortnite skins? Because I guarantee you one of these companies will try to do that. And oh, yeah, and, and uh, I don't want a 14-year-old assistant. You know, but we can get like a fat, like a fat, like a, like basically what my, my idea is I would get 10 children <laughs> to each do one task that an adult assistant would do. Right? A mm-hmm. per- personal assistant. So it would be like my, they'd be like a little like a personal assistant, uh, just some buddies, uh, just some little buddies. Yeah, like, like I would just, I would just have like a list of tasks, and they would go be like Voltron, like with our powers combined, we gonna get these shits done. You want like, you want like a dozen newsies, and you pay them in Funko Pops. Exactly. Like one guy would keep the calendar. One guy would go to the stove. You know, one guy would be like, "You got shit to do." You know, uh, one one kid would would um would um would farm dungeons for me in Diablo mm-hmm. while I'm mm-hmm. doing actual stuff. Yeah. Oh, damn. I guess I guess I could just have my own children. Yeah. You're, see, mean, there you go. You got to start having 4.2 yeah, or whatever man, you then, said. But then, it'll, but, <laughs> but then it'll be a whole five years before they're allowed to work. Look, man, let's, hey, let's, why not just wind it all the way down to fetuses? You could put them to work at your house. Right. That's what I'm saying. Or, or like make them, make them ride a bike for, for electricity. <laughs> If they're your children, you can pay them up to twelve thousand dollars a year tax free. Oh yeah, and for your for your Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know a lot of people that are cheating the IRS <laughs> <laughs> with these tactics. Yeah, it's their rules. And no, no, no. You're right. It, it are there are their rules. The, the, the rules that that, uh, that Trump followed. Um, the, remember Dave Chappelle's joke about I mean his monologue about Trump when he was like he went up there and was like I know the system is rigged because I, I use it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so let's why not rig it all the way up? You know, I, I, let's put these kids to work. I, I, I'm, I'm completely convinced now. I'm voting for it. I might be Republican now. <laughs> they did it. Yeah, I that's, want all, this, that, that's all it took to push you over the edge. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Put these, you know, I walk by kids all the time that ain't doing shit. 
They're just sitting there. They're just sitting in a stroller, not being productive. <laughs> Waiting on a teddy. You know, they could be and they could be doing anything, pulling a string, um, you know, maybe holding a canned good. You know? Yeah, Tiny no, no. little pick in a coal mine? Yeah, yeah. I mean, come back with your little, as much coal as you can handle. Listen, think about this. A thousand children could move more coal than than two or three grumpy old men. And oh, Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. And their lungs will heal faster. Right? Yeah, I don't know about don't, that, but maybe. Don't you get new lungs later like a, like teeth? <laughs> You know, Brian, that doesn't sound right, but I don't know enough science to contradict exactly. you on that. Exactly. None so. of us in here are scientists. I'm just going to say this. This sounds like it'd make a good bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's that's why we got to clip it. We got to clip there it. There we go. I like the clips where I look like a fucking idiot. But yeah, that's so what do, I'm here so for. So do all the uh, listeners. Yeah, put the clips to work. I mean, put the, put the children to work. I think Sheffield agrees. You'll have 30 yeah, but, yeah, restaurants say, you know by next restaurants year. I could have? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you, you want to have the first Michelin baby? We don't got one of those. None of these fucking kids can cook. I think we all we all blue screen because like, does Brian know that there is such a thing as the Michelin baby? Oh, word. But I mean, but he's he, he's not he's not Michelin for cooking, right? He's just the, the, no. the he's sponsor. Just a, it's a it's a it's a little baby inside of some Michelin tires. It's a very famous uh, a baby. What do you? Well, yeah, I, mean, I thought, I thought little... the Michelin mascot was the was like the marshmallow man. Yeah, I thought you were just gonna say it was like a fat, like little infant. Yeah, who had all it's the a roles. little fat. It's a little fat baby in some tires. I'm probably making. I'm Wait, probably are you, no, I think you're thinking about the Gerber baby. No, 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 no. no there's a Michelin uh, baby too. There's a Michelin, Michelin baby? baby, right? Oh, there's something okay. called the Michelin tire baby syndrome. I'm confusing it with. Oh, there's the Goodyear baby. Okay, never mind. I'm oh, a, I'm a, I'm a fucking idiot. I'm confusing like three different things. Yeah, I was just saying like that where it's got a bunch of roles. Yeah, that's Michelin baby. Michelin it's called tire the Michelin baby tire syndrome. baby syndrome. Oh, yeah. wow. I wonder how Michelin feels about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, these babies are still kind of adorable. Kind of. I think they're adorable. Oh, it's so cute. Yeah, I mean, they got cute faces. But look, if you got a thousand of them, think about what you could do. Right. There's there's very little you can I know what you could do. You could make iPhones, you could uh No, you could mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, you could build the you could build the T shirts. You could build the pyramids. Like we act like, oh, how did the ancients build the pyramids? Well, because we, we, we didn't consider they were using children. No, I think we considered that. I think I think we're Okay. Yeah. We're pretty clear on that. Yeah. Like Sheffield said, iPhones, Jordans. Um think about what we could accomplish. You teach them how to make PCs. Okay, how to play Diablo in your absence. You know, we don't need chat B, chat GPT. We can use children to do all those things. Right? Teenagers, 50 teenagers, write me a prompt. Uh, you know, write me, a, write me a script that sounds like Robert De Niro um, wrote it. <laughs> wrote a movie for Matt Fame. Damon. Yeah. You know, I think I convinced everyone. Nobody's disagreeing with me. <laughs> it's not because I'm the boss. No one's disagreeing with me. I feel like I may, have, I may, I think I'm onto something. 
I'm going to run for office, Brian. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be go. the I'll be the I'll first for you. I'll be the first openly black Republican. <laughs> uh, that, I believe Tim's isn't Tim Scott running for office. Didn't we just. Oh, who's that? Oh, uh, he's that a the... black senator from South Carolina. Oh, yeah. Uncle Russell. Oh, Uncle Ruckus. Ass. Okay, um... <laughs> Herman Cain. <what> <laughs> Herman Cain was a uh, was an idiot brain surgeon of all things. Well, Isn't that crazy? <laughs> That's why degrees don't mean shit. Herman to me. Herman Cain Herman Cain wasn't a brain surgeon. Yes, he was. No, he wasn't. No. No, he was a businessman. Who was the brain surgeon? You're thinking of Ben Carson. Oh uh, uh, yeah, and, then he, and then Brian, he you're so racist. <laughs> ben Carson with Herman Cain. Come on now. Didn't aren't both of them dead? Uh, Herman Cain is definitely dead. I don't know if Ben Carson is dead. Oh yeah, Ben Car- Doctor Ben Carson. By the way, let's not be disrespectful. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. No, he was just in the news four weeks ago for something. Can you imagine this motherfucker was operating in your brain? He sound. He, he, <laughs> it was. He was basically like if if Herschel Walker could talk better. <laughs> like he was a brain surgeon and still said stupid shit like that. Um. Anyway, that feels like a good stopping point. Thank y'all for tuning in. If you want to support the podcast, again, like, share, subscribe, tell people about it, buy something from one of the sponsors. Um, uh, If you want to to catch tickets of me on tour, again, uh, briansimpsoncomedy.com. If you want any questions, comments, concerns, you want advice from the advice champ, email me at bswithbriansimpson at gmail.com. And you can also send us a voicemail if you call 323-451-198. Zero. Don't forget to follow. Actually, actually, don't need people to follow you. You want them to follow your business on social media? Yeah, you can. I mean, I'm at Philip Franklin Lee, or the restaurants are uh, Sushi by Scratch Restaurants, or Pasta Bar, or if you follow me, it links to everything. So, okay, that might be the easiest. So that'll be on the screen, and uh, and uh, don't forget ComedyFrequency.com. Don't forget. Apocalypse Soon with Eddie Peppertone and Kevin Tinkin. Don't forget the Josh Harder Show. And uh, if you don't agree with me about the child labor, don't forget to suck my balls. Okay? <laughs> I'll see y'all in the next episode. Thank you, Chef Bill. Thank you. Thank you.